Chapter Seven to Eleven, Book One, Volume One of Le d'Arthur. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lizzie Driver. Le d'Arthur, Volume One by Sir Thomas Mallory. Book One, Chapter Seven to Eleven. Chapter Seven. And at the feast of Pentecost, all manner of men essayed to pull at the sword that would essay. But none might prevail but Arthur, and pulled it out afore all the lords and commons that were there. Wherefore all the commons cried at once, We will have Arthur unto our king, we will put him no more in delay, for we all see that it is God's will that he shall be our king, and who that holdeth against it, we will slay him. And therewithal they kneeled at once, both rich and poor, and cried Arthur mercy, because they had delayed him so long. And Arthur forgave them, and took the sword between both his hands, and offered it upon the altar where the archbishop was. And so was he made knight of the best man that was there. And so anon was the coronation made. And there was he sworn unto his lords and the commons, for to be a true king, to stand with true justice from thenceforth the days of this life. Also then he made all the lords that held of the crown to come in, and to do service as they ought to do. And many complaints were made unto Sir Arthur of great wrongs that were done since the death of King Uther, of many lands that were bereaved lords, knights, ladies, and gentlemen, whereof King Arthur made the lands to be given again unto them that owned them. When this was done, that the king had established all the countries about London, then he let make Sir Kay sensual of England, and Sir Bedouin of Britain was made constable, and Sir Ulfius was made chamberlain, and Sir Brastius was made warden to wait upon the north from Trent forwards, for it was that time the most party the king's enemies. But within few years after Arthur won all the north, Scotland, and all that were under their obeisance, also Wales, a part of it, held against Arthur, but he overcame them all, as he did the remnant, through the noble prowess of himself and his knights of the round table. CHAPTER Eight. Then the king removed into Wales, and let cry a great feast that it should be holden at Pentecost, after the incoronation of him at the city of Carleon. Unto the feast came King Lot of Lothian and of Orkney, with five hundred knights with him. Also there came to the feast King Urians of Gore, with four hundred knights with him. Also there came to that feast King Nentres of Garlot, with seven hundred knights with him. Also there came to the feast the King of Scotland, with six hundred knights with him, and he was but a young man. Also there came to the feast a king that was called the King with the hundred knights. But he and his men were passing well beseen at all points. Also there came the king of Carados, with five hundred knights. And King Arthur was glad of their coming, for he weened that all the kings and knights had come for great love, and to have done him worship at his feast. Whereof the king made great joy, and sent the kings and knights great presents. But the kings would none receive, but rebuked the messenger shamefully, and said, they had no joy to receive no gifts of a beardless boy that was come of low blood, 
and sent him word they would none of his gifts, but that they were come to give him gifts, with hard swords betwixt the neck and the shoulders, and therefore they came thither, so they told to the messengers plainly, for it was great shame to all them to see such a boy to have a rule of so noble a realm as this land was. With this answer the messenger departed, and told to King Arthur this answer. Wherefore, by the advice of his barons, he took him to a strong tower, with five hundred good men with him. And all the kings aforesaid, in a manner, laid a siege to fore him. But King Arthur was well victuated, and within fifteen days there came Merlin among them, into the city of Carleon. Then all the kings were passing glad of Merlin, and asked him, For what cause is that boy Arthur made your king? Sirs, said Merlin, I shall tell you the cause, for he is King Uther Pendragon's son, born in wedlock, gotten on Igraine, the duke's wife of Tintagel. Then he is a bastard, they all said. Nay, said Merlin, after the death of the duke, more than three hours was Arthur begotten, and thirteen days after King Uther wedded Igrain, and therefore I prove him he is no bastard. And who saith nay, he shall be king, and overcome all his enemies? And, or he die, he shall be long king of all England, and have under his obsessance Wales, Ireland, and Scotland, and more realms than I will now rehearse. Some of the kings had marvelled of Merlin's words, and deemed well that it should be as he said, and some of them laughed him to scorn, as King Lot, and more other called him a witch. But then they were accorded with Merlin, that King Arthur should come out and speak with the kings, and to come safe, and to go safe. Such surance there was made. So Merlin went unto King Arthur, and told him how he had done, and bade him fear not, but come out boldly, and speak with them, and spare them not, but answer them as their king and chieftain. For ye shall overcome them all, whether they will or nil. CHAPTER Nine. Then King Arthur came out of his tower, and had under his gown a jesseront of double mail, and there went with him the Archbishop of Canterbury, and Sir Bedouin of Britain, and Sir Kay, and Sir Brastius. These were the men of most worship that were with him, and when they were met there was no meekness, but stout words on both sides. But always King Arthur answered them, and said he would make them to bow, and he lived. Wherefore they departed with wrath, and King Arthur bade keep them well, and they bade the king keep him well. So the king returned him to the tower again, and armed him and all his knights. "'What will ye do?' said Merlin to the kings. "'Ye were better for to stint, for ye shall not here prevail, though ye were ten times so many.' "'Be we well advised to be afeard of a dream-reader?' said King Lot. With that Merlin vanished away, and came to King Arthur, and bade him set on them fiercely. And in the meanwhile there were three hundred good men, of the best that were with the kings. They went straight unto King Arthur, and that comforted him greatly. Sir, said Merlin to Arthur, 
fight not with the sword that ye had by miracle. Till that ye see ye go unto the worst, then draw it out and do your best. So forwithal King Arthur set upon them in their lodging, and Sir Bedouin, Sir Kay, and Sir Brastius slew on the right hand, and on the left hand that it was marvel. And always King Arthur on horseback laid on with his sword, and did marvellous deeds of arms, that many of the kings had great joy of his deeds and hardiness. Then King Lot brake out on the back side, and the king with the hundred knights, and King Carados, and set on Arthur fiercely behind him. With that Sir Arthur turned with his knights, and smote behind and before, and ever Sir Arthur was in the foremost press, till his horse was slain underneath him. And therewith King Lot smote down King Arthur. With that his four knights received him and set him on horseback. Then he drew his sword Excalibur, but it was so bright in his enemy's eyes that it gave light like thirty torches. And therewith he put them aback and slew much people. And then the commons of Carleon arose with clubs and staves, and slew many knights. But all the kings held them together with their knights that were left alive, and so fled and departed. And Merlin came unto Arthur, and counselled him to follow them no further. CHAPTER Ten. So, after the feast and journey, King Arthur drew him unto London, and so, by the counsel of Merlin, the king let call his barons to counsel. For Merlin had told the king that the six kings that made war upon him would in all haste be a rogue on him and on his lands. Wherefore the king asked counsel at them all. They could no counsel give, but said they were big enough. Ye say well, said Arthur, I thank you for your good courage, but will ye all that loveth me speak with Merlin? Ye know well that he hath done much for me, and he knoweth many things. And when he is afore you, I would that ye prayed him heartily of his best advice. All the barons said they would pray him and desire him. So Merlin was sent for, and fair desired of all the barons to give them best counsel. I shall say you, said Merlin, I warn you all, your enemies are passing strong for you, and they are good men of arms as be alive and by this time they have gotten to them four kings more, and a mighty duke. And unless that our king have more chivalry with him than he may make within the bounds of his own realm, and he fight with them in battle, he shall be overcome and slain. What were best to do in this cause? said all the barons. I shall tell you, said Merlin, mine advice. There are two brethren beyond the sea, and they be kings both, and marvellous good men of their hands, and that one hight King Ban of Benwick, and that other hight King Bors of Gaul, that is France. And on these two kings warreth a mighty man of men, the King Claudas, and striveth with them for a castle, and great war is betwixt them. But this Claudas is so mighty of goods, whereof he getteth good knights, that he putteth these two kings most part to the worse. Wherefore this is my counsel, that our king and sovereign lord send unto the kings Ban and Bors by two trusty knights, with letters well devised, 
that and they will come and see King Arthur and his court, and so help him in his wars, that he will be sworn unto them to help them in their wars against King Claudas. Now what say ye unto this counsel? said Merlin. This is well counselled, said the king and all the barons. Right so, in all haste, there was ordained to go two knights on the message unto the two kings. So were there made letters in the pleasant wise, according unto King Arthur's desire. Ulfius and Brastius were made the messengers, and so rode forth well horsed and well armed, and as the guise was that time, and so passed the sea and rode toward the city of Benwick. And there besides were eight knights that espied them, and at a straight passage they met with Ulfius and Brastius, and would have taken them prisoners. So they prayed them that they might pass, for they were messengers unto King Ban and Bors, sent from King Arthur. Therefore, said the eight knights, ye shall die or be prisoners, for we be knights of King Claudas. And therewith two of them dressed their spears, and Ulfius and Brastius dressed their spears, and ran together with great roundum. And Claudas's knights brake their spears, and theirs to held, and bare the two knights out of their saddles to the earth, and so left them lying, and rode their ways. And the other six knights rode afore to a passage to meet with them again. And so Ulfius and Brastius smote other two down, and so passed on their ways. And at the fourth passage there met two for two, and both were laid unto the earth. So there was none of the eight knights, but he was sore hurt or bruised. And when they came to Benwick, it fortuned they were both kings, Ban and Bors. And when it was told the kings that there were come messengers, there were sent unto them two knights of worship. The one hight Lyonses, lord of the country of Pion, and Sepharians, a worshipful knight. Anon they asked from whence they came, and they said from King Arthur, king of England. So they took them in their arms, and made great joy each of other. But anon, as the two kings wist they were messengers of Arthur's, there was made no tarrying, but forthwith they spake with the knights, and welcomed them in the faithfullest wise, and said they were most welcome unto them before all the kings living. And therewith they kissed the letters, and delivered them. And when Ban and Bors understood the letters, then they were more welcome than they were before. And after the haste of the letters, they gave them this answer, that they would fulfil the desire of King Arthur's writing, and Ulfius and Brastius, tarry there as long as they would, they should have such cheer as might be made them in those marches. Then Ulfius and Brastius told the kings of the adventure at their passages of the eight knights. Ha-ha! said Ban and Bors, they were my good friends. I would I had wist of them, they should not have escaped so. So Ulfius and Brastius had good cheer and great gifts, as much as they might bear away, and had their answer by mouth and by writing, that these two kings would come unto Arthur in all the haste that they might. 
So the two knights rode on afore, and passed the sea, and came to their lord, and told him how they had sped, whereof King Arthur was passing glad. At what time suppose ye the two kings will be here? Sir, said they, afore all Hallowmas. Then the king let purvey for a great feast, and let a cry of great jousts. And by all Hallowmas the two kings were come over the sea with three hundred knights, well arrayed both for the peace and for the war. And King Arthur met with them ten miles out of London, and there was great joy as could be thought or made. And on all Hallowmas at the great feast sat in the hall the three kings, and Sir Kay Senchal served in the hall, and Sir Lucas the butler, that was Duke Cornus's son, and Sir Griflet, that was the son of Cardol. These three knights had the rule of all the service that served the kings. And anon, as they had washed and risen, all knights that would joust made them ready. By then they were ready on horseback, there were seven hundred knights. And Arthur, Ban, and Bors, with the Archbishop of Canterbury, and Sir Ector, Kay's father, they were in a place covered with cloth of gold like an hall, with ladies and gentlewomen, for to behold who did best, and thereon to give judgment. CHAPTER Eleven. And King Arthur and the two kings let depart the seven hundred knights in two parties. And there were three hundred knights of the realm of Benwick, and of Gaul turned on the other side. Then they dressed their shields, and began to couch their spears many good knights. Sir Griflet was the first that met with a knight. One Landinus, and they met so eagerly that all men had wonder, and they so fought that their shields fell to pieces, and horse and man fell to the earth. And both the French knight and the English knight lay so long that all men weened they had been dead. When Lucas the butler saw Griflet so lie, he horsed him again anon, and they too did marvellous deeds of arms with many bachelors. Also Sir Kay came out of an ambushment, with five knights with him, and they six smote other six down. But Sir Kay did that day marvellous deeds of arms, that there was none did so well as he that day. Then there came Landinus and Gracian, two knights of France, and did passing well that all men praised them. Then came there Sir Placidus, a good knight, and met with Sir Kay, and smote him down horse and man. Wherefore Sir Griflet was wroth, and met with Sir Placidus so hard, that horse and man fell to the earth. But when the five knights wist that Sir Kay had a fall, they were wroth out of wit, and therewith each of them five bare down a knight. When King Arthur and the two kings saw them begin to wax wroth on both parties, they leapt on small hackneys, and let cry that all men should depart unto their lodging. And so they went home, and unarmed them, and so to evensong and supper. And after, the three kings went into a garden, and gave the prize unto Sir Kay, and to Lucas the butler, and unto Sir Griflet. And then they went unto council, and with them Grenbaus, the brother unto Sir Ban and Bors, a wise clerk. And thither went Ulfius and Brastius and Merlin, and after they had been in council, they went unto bed. 
and on the morn they heard mass, and to dinner, and so to their council, and made many arguments what were best to do. At the last they were concluded, that Merlin should go with a token of King Ban, and that was a ring, unto his men, and King Bors and Gracian and Placidas should go again, and keep their castles and their countries. As for, dread of King Claudas, King Ban of Benwick, and King Bors of Gaul had ordained them, and so passed the sea and came to Benwick. And when the people saw King Ban's ring, and Gracian and Placidas, they were glad, and asked how the kings fared, and made great joy of their welfare and cording, and according unto the sovereign lord's desire, the men of war made them ready in all haste possible, so that they were fifteen thousand on horse and foot, and they had great plenty of victual with them, by Merlin's provision. But Gracian and Placidas were left to furnish and garnish the castles, for dread of King Claudas. Right so Merlin passed the sea, well victualled both by water and by land, and when he came to the sea he sent home the footmen again, and took no more with him but ten thousand men on horseback, the most part men of arms, and so shipped and passed the sea into England, and landed at Dover. And through the wit of Merlin he had the host northward, the privatest way that could be thought, unto the forest of Bedigrain, and there in a valley he lodged them secretly. Then rode Merlin unto Arthur and the two kings, and told them how he had sped, whereof they had great marvel, that man on earth might speed so soon, and go and come. So Merlin told them ten thousand were in the forest of Bedigrain, well armed at all points. Then was there no more to say, but to horseback went all of the host as Arthur had afore purveyed. So with twenty thousand he passed by night and day. But there was made such an ordinance afore by Merlin, that there should no man of war ride, nor go in no country on this side Trent Water, but if he had a token from King Arthur, wherethrough the king's enemies durst not ride as they did to fore to espy. End of Book 1, Chapters 7-11